0: Can you believe we're already coming to the end of season two of Royals, Rebels, and Romantics? This month, we're celebrating some queens and taking a look at some of our favorite fiction. So glad you're joining us, and let's get ready to shake up some history. On the 1st of June, 1533, Anne Boleyn was crowned Queen Consort of England. Why are we still talking about Anne Boleyn? After all, wasn't May Anne Boleyn month? Well, on Royals, Rebels, and Romantics, we just can't get enough of Anne Boleyn. And since June 1st is the day to celebrate her coronation, that's what we're doing. So let's take a look at the coronation of this quite controversial Queen Consort. Why was Anne crowned separately on her own? Well, Catherine of Aragon had been crowned with Henry VIII back in 1509. That didn't exactly work, at least as far as Henry was concerned. When it was time for him to sell his marriage to Anne Boleyn to his people, you know, she wasn't very popular, the marriage wasn't popular, the break with Rome wasn't popular, Henry's behavior was not very popular. So Anne's coronation represented an opportunity to put a royal seal of approval on her and on her baby. After all, Anne Boleyn was about five months pregnant, and she was showing. She was also talking about it regularly. Her pregnancy was certainly not a secret. So this coronation was both for Anne and for her unborn child and also for Henry to represent and recognize that he had done the right thing. There was another Tudor consort who had been crowned separately, and that was Elizabeth of York. Now, she was crowned separately because Henry the Seventh wanted to be crowned on his own to reinforce and demonstrate that his claim to the throne was his alone, It might have been supported by his marriage to the Yorkist heir, but it was not dependent on that marriage, so he was crowned alone. By the time Elizabeth of York was crowned queen consort, she had already given the king that favorite thing, a son and heir. So Elizabeth was crowned as a very successful queen consort, and that is what she turned out to be. Now, interestingly, Elizabeth of York's coronation is the first one we have record of including a water pageant, and that was certainly a big part of Anne's coronation. So let's take a look at Anne's. There was a proclamation made in May to invite Anyone who thought they ought to be taking part in this coronation to go ahead and present their case to the Duke of Suffolk. Now, even though many of the nobles and leaders in London had spoken out against the marriage, they weren't about to miss this opportunity to put themselves on display with this royal event. So the Duke of Norfolk, the Earl of Arendelle, the Earl of Oxford, Viscount Lyle, all kinds of people asked to be included and take part in this magnificent coronation ceremony. The mayor of London was told to prepare the city and be ready to take Anne from Greenwich Palace by barge to the Tower of London on that water pageant that they wanted to be even more spectacular than the one that had brought Elizabeth of York to the Tower. Anne would be part of a large flotilla, it was assembled on the 29th of May. So there were city officials, there was a barge carrying a large crowned white falcon, which is Anne Boleyn's emblem. And there were about 50 decorated barges floating down the Thames in this great flotilla procession. And of course, there's a controversial story that Anne had wanted to use the, quote, Queen's Barge, which happened at the time to be decorated with the arms of the previous queen consort, Catherine of Aragon. And apparently, according to the story, Henry VIII was quite upset that the arms of Catherine of Aragon were struck off the barge to make room for Anne's. We don't know how the true that was, but it does feed into that legend, that rumor, that thought that Anne Boleyn was just trying to replace good Queen Catherine, right down to the decorations on the barge. In any case, Anne did float down the river in a gloriously decorated barge. She was wearing beautiful clothing and the jewels glistened, and when she got to the tower, Interestingly enough, and a little bit of foreshadowing here, William Kingston was one of those who greeted her in this moment of glory and escorted her into the Tower of London. About three years later, he would escort her into the Tower as well in quite different circumstances. But at this point, it was a glorious day. The train was held, for Anne's train was held by her step-grandmother, the Duchess of Norfolk, who later plays quite a prominent role in the Catherine Howard story. So all these people just keep showing up in future stories. When they got to the king, who was inside the tower, um, he received her within the gates, and he kissed her and celebrated her. And according to one account, put his two hands on either side of her belly to celebrate that baby. On the 30th of May, Anne had a day where she got to relax just a little bit, which is a pretty good thing. She was five months pregnant and under tremendous pressure to give birth to a healthy baby boy. In any case, she knew she had quite a bit of an ordeal ahead of her. On that day, the 30th of May, there were created many new Knights of the Bath, which was a traditional part of the coronation ceremony. Then on the 31st of May, it was time for the City of London To officially meet the Queen as part of this ceremony. The streets were lined with gravel so that the horses wouldn't slip on some of the, you know, debris and other things that filled the streets of London at this time. Anyway, the route between the tower and Westminster was decorated. There was tapestry hanging from the homes and there were places that were um, decorated with pageants and there was all kinds of things to just really celebrate Anne. And the monarchy. It was a visible way to connect Anne to the monarchy. We do notice that there were many French dignitaries who took part in this procession. Of course, throughout her life, she spent many years in France, and throughout her reign, Anne was very. Um, sort of oriented toward the French. She preferred the French point of view. She was described as more French than English. And certainly the French were much more supportive of her at this time. They kind of came and went, but the Spanish were not. So she really wanted the French to be part of this ceremony. So there were a number of French dignitaries walking with her. Anne herself wore a white cloth of silver and cloth of gold outfit. It was embellished with this thread of silver and thread of gold and had some ermine, a very royal fur to enhance it. And she wore her hair, which is often commented on, this glorious, thick, lustrous hair. And it was topped with a jeweled coronet. So the jewels were sparkling and she was processing Um, One of the pageants along the way featured prominently her white falcon, her emblem, her badge, and that white falcon, you know, Anne Boleyn's falcon has been in the news lately, we had um, Sandy and James to talk about it. So that falcon was part of her life, her family, and certainly part of her reign right from there. There were quite a few references to her pregnancy. Again, this was not anything that was being hidden or sort of pushed aside. This was being celebrated. And so there were a number of allusions to the children and to the child who was coming. And there were some associations made between Anne, the new queen, and Saint Anne, although people were pretty careful not to mention that Saint Anne had given birth. To only daughters, because of course, Anne Boleyn, everyone assumed, or at least officially assumed, was about to give birth to a son. Now, June 1st was Coronation Day, and it followed the laws and regulations that had been set out in 1307, that all coronations had followed since then. Although there were beginning to be some modifications thanks to the break with Rome, this was the first coronation that. England, the English monarchy had celebrated since Henry VIII had declared himself supreme head of the Church of England. So there were some modifications, but primarily it followed that 1307 regulation pretty carefully. So Anne was led to Westminster. By this point, she was dressed in purple velvet, the royal color, that circlet of gold and jewels on her head. And people carried a cloth of state. So she possessed a Under the official cloth of state the whole time. And there were various elements of the coronation that there are records of her participating in. Interestingly, she did prostrate herself in front of the high altar. Now, remember, she's five months pregnant. So this might have been a bit of a time of concern. But according to all the records, it went off without a hitch. She did it and she was crowned with St. Edward's crown. Now, this was something that attention needs to be called to because St. Edward's crown had been traditionally, and according to those regulations, reserved for the monarch, which, of course, at this time had always been a king and not a consort. But according to various records, Anne was crowned with St. Edward's crown. And some people think this might have been a little bit of foreshadowing, again, referring to her child saying, look, this is the crown of England. We're using it for Anne Boleyn and that child who would then go on to be Henry VIII's heir. Of course, everyone thought it would be a son. It does turn out to be one of Henry VIII's heirs and a queen, but that was not part of the picture yet. Anyway, um, St. Edward's crown uh, is very heavy, so it is not worn throughout the ceremony. And it was replaced by a lighter crown that apparently had been made especially for her for that ceremony. And Dr. Owen Emerson, who was with us recently, believes that that crown may very well have been the crown that Anne's daughter, Elizabeth, who was, of course, that baby she was carrying, also wore as the lighter crown later in her coronation ceremony. So you see a lot of connections between Anne and Elizabeth. Elizabeth really studied her mother's coronation when it was time for her own. So it's interesting to think about that just a little bit. Of course, Anne didn't know that, and Anne thought the baby would be a boy who would be a king, but it turned out differently. In any case, after the coronation, they went to a feast, where Anne was seated at the high table right in the center, again, under cloth of state. And various high-ranking women were surrounding her on, just on the ready in case she needed to, quote, spit or anything. So, you know, when you're eating, if you have to spit something out, there's a woman right there to hold a, a napkin or handkerchief to take care of it for you. In all, as queen, she was served 32 dishes at this feast. So it must have been quite elaborate. And then as you go down the scale of status, people were served fewer and fewer as you went along. The king and some of his ambassadors, we might assume French ambassadors, were watching this from a side room. So they were not out in the public like Anne was being watched by everybody, but the king was watching this moment that he and Anne had been working so long, had put so much effort and energy, and he had taken a number of chances in his religious Quote unquote decision to break with Rome. I think that was more political than religious, quite frankly. But it was a a huge and shattering decision. And it changed the way English culture was. It changed the politics. It changed the economics as the dissolution of the monasteries went forward. It changed land ownership. All these things were changed in order to make Anne the queen. And here she is at her coronation. She has been crowned with St. Edward's crown. She has processed through the streets of London. She has come into this feast and been recognized by the nobles in the land. And the king is off to the side watching all of this. And Anne herself, she has been waiting for seven years, maybe thinking it would never happen. And here it is now. She is acknowledged as the wife of the king and the consort, the queen consort of the country. And she is soon to be the mother of the heir to the throne. And at the same time, she's very unpopular There are legends, there are different descriptions of those processions through the streets of London, and according to some of them, rather than the cheering one might expect as a royal goes by, there was silence or there was jeering and the entwined H and A that you can still see in a few places. If you go to Hampton Court Palace and go in Anne Boleyn's Gate and look up, there's the carving of the H and A entwined one of my favorite places to see that is at King's College Chapel in Cambridge. Um, and you can see the H-A and the A-R for Anne Regina all the way. And then part way through the carvings, it changes. So they can sort of date when that was done after she fell from favor. But that H and A entwined, according to some reports, um, people were laughing ha ha reading it that way rather than recognizing it as their king and queen with their initials entwined so there was people certainly enjoyed it was well attended whether people supported it or not people liked the spectacle and the glamour and the opportunity to celebrate It was the public face at this moment of Henry's future. And I do wonder if anyone looked at the very pregnant queen as she was making this public statement. She was being seen publicly, she was being honored publicly. And did anybody wonder, what if that baby's a girl? Well, it was. And so here she is in June having this glorious moment. And in September, the baby is born. It is a very healthy baby, Uh, but it's a girl. It's Elizabeth. And in fact, about 15 and a half years later, after that moment of Anne's coronation, about 15 and a half years later, it's Elizabeth who is being crowned not queen consort, but regnant or ruling queen. She is being crowned as the monarch. And again, she spent time studying what her mother's coronation had involved, and she used some of those elements. She used the falcon in some places. Actually, Anne Boleyn appears in one of the pageants in Elizabeth's coronation. Now, Anne herself who's standing there on June 1st, wearing a crown. Of course, we know now that less than three years later, it would all be over. And I mean, over. She returned to the tower in 1536, not as a queen, but as a prisoner. And from the day of her arrest on the 2nd of May to her execution on the 19th of May it was a dramatic and swift and violent downfall. And after 1536, we don't see a lot of mentions of Anne Boleyn. And yet, when Elizabeth comes to the throne, and in her coronation in January of 1559, she does celebrate her mother. Her mother appears in one of the pageants as Elizabeth's mother, and it is a time to sort of recapture a little moment of Anne Boleyn and remember her coronation when Elizabeth is crowned and celebrating her genealogy. Elizabeth is as the daughter of Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn, her pure English heritage, which Elizabeth made quite a big deal of. And so Elizabeth does celebrate her mother in that way. So the 1st of June, Anne Boleyn's coronation is an important moment. It was a time where Henry VIII took the chance, took the opportunity to display what he had done. He had made his own decision. He had broken with the Pope. He had established himself as head of the Church of England, and he had married the woman he wanted to, even though most of the country still considered him to be married to his first wife. He had not only married Anne Boleyn, but he had publicly crowned her as queen. And it would turn out that this moment of glory for Anne, though not lasting for her, was picked up again by the child she was carrying. So when she was crowned with St. Edward's crown, possibly in recognition of her being pregnant with the heir to the throne, well, it would turn out that that child would be crowned with St. Edward's crown as the monarch. Anne Boleyn, interestingly, would turn out to be the final wife of Henry VIII, who was crowned Queen Consort. For a variety of reasons, it turned out none of the other wives were crowned. There were some, certainly some plans and some preparations being made for the coronation of Jane Seymour, who sadly passed away, For the coronation, it looks like, of Catherine Howard, there was at least some discussion of that, but she fell from favor. In any case, Anne Boleyn was the final queen consort, or consort of any kind, of the Tudor dynasty to be crowned in Westminster Abbey. It was a very significant event, and it was important to her, to Henry, and also to Elizabeth Who would follow her later and sort of carry on that story of Anne's coronation? So take one more moment to remember Anne Boleyn, the 1st of June in 1533, when she is crowned as Queen Consort of England, the sort of pinnacle, the high point of the seven years previously, and then the three years that follow. Many of you know that Anne Boleyn was the one who first got me hooked in Tudor history and history in general. And so I really find it fascinating to look at the moments in her life, to imagine her as a complicated, complex, controversial, sometimes kind, sometimes not but challenging woman who continues to defy some of our expectations and some of our attempts to put her into a box and narrow what we allow her in terms of her experiences and in terms of her personality, a complicated woman who was able through her coronation to achieve something extraordinary and who was held victim in some ways to the machinations of the court of Henry VIII, to the power plays that were going on, to overplaying the game of courtly love, which she did. She knew the rules better than that, and she did overplay the game of courtly love. But Anne Boleyn played big. She put it all on the line. She won big. Ultimately, she lost big. But she is someone who really, was all in in some of these moments. And it's really exciting for me to imagine her, to learn more about her, and to celebrate her coronation with her for what it represented to her and her daughter and all of the queens going forward. So thank you for joining me for this moment where we celebrate the coronation of Anne Boleyn. thank you for joining me for this episode of Royals, Rebels, and Romantics. As we wrap up season two, get ready for some summer fun and look ahead to season three. I'm so grateful to have you joining us. So let's keep shaking up history together.